0: All right. So last Sunday, when we left church, our staff got together, and we went on our annual staff retreat. Uh, We headed down to Indy for a little time of re-energizing, of refocusing. It was a great time. There are always several great stories that come out of our staff retreat. Uh, One is this: is I learned that ever since my trip to Boston, I've been speaking subtly with a Boston accent, and it's in my head, and so I've been saying "God." and different things like that because mostly I spoke as a Bostonian when I was in Boston, so I'm working through that in my head. Uh, The second thing is this, is as we were kind of hanging out and done our activities for the day, uh, we were going to go to an Indianapolis Indians game at Victory Field, and so we loaded up into our van and quickly realized that it wasn't going to start. And so if you have traveled with us as a church, you understand that our van has some issues. Uh, So we were in Indy. We didn't have any other vehicles there. We didn't know anybody else besides ourselves. And so we started to get resourceful and friendly. And so I walked over to our neighbor who was on his porch. Uh, He did not give me the vibe that he wanted me to come onto his porch. We'll just say that. Uh, And I just said, hey, you know, we got this going on here. Can you help? Which was met with like, I can help you. Okay, that's fine. Being graceful. We decided to uh, kind of flag down this uh, new Mustang that just got washed as if he really wanted to jump us, which he not willfully, but obliged us through, I just, I don't think he could get away. So he, he moved his car uh, to jump us, which he moved it in a way that blocked traffic. And like when people help you, you wanna control that. Like, you want to tell him, like, look, you could not, but like, you're just like, I'm generous. Like, I'm just thankful that you're trying to help me. And so he was there for 15 minutes. We could not get it started. And so we decided it was about time to let this guy go because uh, he was not super happy about being there. So I called my friends for, I uh, called one of my best friends who lives in Indy. And he said that he would come down, waited for 30 minutes. And during my 30 minute wait, I watched my beloved friend who I met on the porch walk out of his house in front of our house, get in his car, and drive away. And literally, his car was on the other side of the street. And I was just sort of taken back. What happened here? And then I just got philosophical. Like, I just started thinking, like, what happens to somebody in their life that makes them so unwillfully ungenerous? Willfully ungenerous. Like There, there probably is something that happened to this individual. Certainly, there is a story behind the story, which is most often the case. But from the outside looking in, this guy seemed really ungenerous. To have, with ease, the ability to help us. It wouldn't have cost him much of anything. But he was so greedy. He was not a generous person. Which compels an interesting question. Why would someone be generous? Why would anyone be generous with their stuff, with their time, with their money, with their emotions, with their compassion? Why would any person give something that is rightfully theirs away? And this is sort of the question that we're gonna wrap our brains around, our minds around today in our time together. As we consider this paradox that exists in the kingdom of God, a paradox that says in giving, in our generosity, we actually are receiving. That giving in God's kingdom is receiving. If we are to be the type of people that the word of God pushes us to be, to be the type of people who love our enemies, who pray for those who persecute us, who forgive those who have caused significant harm in our life. It will come by us living in a higher level of wisdom than our own. Wisdom that is given to us by God's word. And so we'll start our time together by going into the word, looking in the book of Proverbs, which is a wisdom book. We'll look at the chapter 11. This is a profound truth in the area of generosity. It says this, that one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be water. And so what this means is that for the Christian, the idea of generosity is not something that's simply suggested, nor slightly recommended, but is absolutely essential. Not only essential, but it's evidential of a heart that that it's been changed and redeemed by Christ. Changed and redeemed by Christ. It is part of our new makeup as a believer. And so it's important that you hear me say this today, that when we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money. Certainly that's one aspect of our generosity, but it is about us being the type of people who, because of what Jesus gives to us, give ourselves away. And that may be money, that may be stuff, that may be compassion, that may be mercy, grace, forgiveness... It may be your wisdom or your time, but it's about being the type of person that lives in the truth, in the light of what Christ has done for me, that I give myself away, that others might come to know who He is. It's a life that has experienced the substantial generosity that God has displayed towards us. You cannot know Christ and not have experienced his generosity and love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness. Quite frankly, you can't rightfully say that you're even a Christian if there is not a measure of generosity in your horizontal relationships with others that comes from your vertical relationship with God. And so in our time together, we are going to root through three different questions. Two how questions, or two why questions in the area of generosity, and then one how question in generosity. And so the questions that we're gonna walk through today is this, is why does God compel me to be generous? What's God's motivation in my generosity? Why then is generosity about flourishing? And then the last question is how do I become generous? And so let's go ahead and get started working through these questions. Uh, There is a reality where there are a certain number of you in this room who have in their own generosity or in watching somebody else's generosity have been abused, or seen somebody taken advantage of. Maybe you have given things to people that you learned later that they really didn't need. Maybe you gave of your love, maybe you gave of your mercy, or even of your finances, and learned that they really didn't need it. Maybe you have had an instance in your life where you gave something to somebody and you didn't experience it being given back to you the way that you hoped it would, nor even maybe you weren't acknowledged for your generosity. But it's important for us to understand that all of those experiences have shaped your view of how generous you will be in the future. And so I think it's important in our time here together that we consider that because of our condition, sickness and brokenness on this world, that there are things that have clouded our vision in the area of generosity that holds us back from really understanding, implementing, and even believing what biblical generosity is about. And so look, we we say this quite often because we believe that it's one of the most important truths to understanding our lives and understanding our need for Christ. Uh, We say this, that when we read scripture, we are met with a fundamental truth that this world is not the way it, it should be that this world is broken, your lives are broken, you as a person are broken, you're fractured, your heart is busted, the culture is busted, the earth is busted. We all are fractured. When we read about Genesis 3 of the fall of mankind, when sin and death entered into a world in which it previously did not exist, we understand that this world is fractured. And look, it really doesn't take much pondering or pondering in your own life for you to realize something is broken in yourself. And that is rooted in humanity's sin. Sin which is rooted itself in us wanting to follow our own wisdom and our own truth and our own way and not God's. And that sin has destroyed and distorted God's creation. It has destroyed and distorted your knowledge of God. It has distorted God's character, and it has distorted within you the very attributes that your Father created with you. You are the imago Dei. You are made in the image of God to have the characteristics of God. And in this broken world, all of those realities are distorted. And so when we approach a subject like generosity, it's important that we identify how our sickness and worldly brokenness impacts our beliefs and our abilities in this area. It's important that we consider that brokenness has shaped our viewpoint. So in our sickness, we have created a belief, whether consciously or subconsciously, where a God that would demand or compel of me continuous, spontaneous generosity towards himself and others is greedy and selfish. We think or say or believe in roundabout ways because of our experiences here on earth that if God has made everything and if everything is his, why does he need my stuff? And why does he want me to share my stuff? Why is he asking me to share when he could give more than I possibly could ever give. It is if we think of Bill Gates. I have a God like Bill Gates who says, hey, I want you to give money to my family. I want you to share with my family. We would rightly understand and believe, well, you have more resources than me. You could give more than I could in this area. And so I want you to recognize that this is a fractured lens. Your hearts are antagonistic towards abundant generosity because you have been conditioned to believe that no one needs my stuff, my money, my wisdom, my time more than I do. We have a belief that we need it most. And all that does is create a lens in which we look at the world and say, you must prove to me your need before I give it to you. Greed has shaped our beliefs on generosity. And so that's a part of a broken mindset. It's not about; it's not from a wholeness with God. It's a part of a broken mindset. Another way that brokenness and our experience sort of shape our reality in generosity is that we have seen people manipulate others through trying to compel a, a charity from them in a way that has just elevated themselves. They have used and benefited from other people's generosity to elevate themselves in power, and certainly we have all met charismatic people who have benefited from other in their generosity and taken advantage of it. And honestly, honestly, Christians, because of how God teaches on generosity, are probably the people who have abused others the most in terms of taking advantage of other people's generosity. And so we kind of carry this idea that, that God's word is simply there for a, a pastor or a preacher or a believer to leverage it in a way that takes advantage of my generosity and says, well, it's God's will. And, and certainly, many of you, maybe a few of you, might think that even me talking about generosity from the pulpit here is nothing more than self serving. Certainly cannot change your opinions through my words, I understand that within our culture, there are many pastors and preachers on television and in reality who do. Who do prey on the generosity of others. But listen, none of that is true of God. And the last and third lens that we sort of look through at God when it comes to generosity is that we have this belief that God wants me to give and share with others so that I would just struggle. That God wants me to share my stuff so he can control me and watch his creation struggle. That I would share that his people and himself can just manipulate me. It's this view of of God as a, a cosmic ruler who sits on his throne, iron fist, belittling his people, getting his pleasure from watching his creation struggle. So listen, it's important that you understand that our brokenness creates these lenses, these concepts, these practices that are a result of sin in God's creation. The result of us living in a broken world, in a world where we trust our own wisdom rather than God's. And So I want you to hear me today, that, that I know that you have maybe experienced hardship and misfortune at the hands of another person who you were generous with. Maybe you gave them money or wisdom or effort or love or compassion, but listen, None of these broken lenses apply to God. Not one of them is true of God. He's not compelling generosity from you because He needs your stuff. He's not compelling generosity beca- from you because He wants to control you. He's not aiming to keep you in struggle or-, or let your generosity benefit others to your demise. There's not an ounce of truth in any of those reasons on why God would command generosity. God has one desire and generosity, and it is that his creation would flourish. Both the giver and the receiver. Creation's flourishing is God's design and desire in our generosity. Because look, even, even, even in and even though we are fallen and fractured, God has created mankind to embody his creativity, his justice, his responsibility, his order, his compassion. In short, God made mankind to flourish. Not this ideal pursuit of health, wealth, and prosperity, but it's flourishing by peace, shalom, between God and you, you and God, you and others, and hear me, you and yourself flourishing relationally amongst God, others, and yourself. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they sinned, that shalom, that peace, our means of flourishing was broken. Christ's life, death, and resurrection not only affords to me right standing in front of a holy God, but also allows me to seek and find the flourishing that I was always meant to seek and find before the fall, although we will not experience it fully this side of eternity. And so it is for the sake of flourishing that we submit ourselves to God's design and truth in the area of generosity. That we might leave behind our colored lenses of uh, Earth's experience that, my, that we might find peace and flourishing in our life through generosity. And so this is the question that, that we walk into next. Why is generosity flourishing? Well, to do that, we're gonna look in Scripture today. We're gonna to go to the Gospel of Matthew. Look in chapter six. as is a part of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon of the Mount. It's a very popular teaching. You may have heard it before. We'll start in verse 25. It says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barn, barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, Even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what these passages compel is that there is an abundance that is tied to God in our seeking and our following of him that makes our everyday worries of having enough seem trivial, seem absolutely trivial. It doesn't mean that there isn't good wisdom in saving, it isn't good wisdom in storing, but rather that we can trust God to give us what we need. Out of his abundance of character, of love, of compassion, of justice, of supplication, his abundance sustains us in life. Because listen, if all you had in life was God and nothing else, it would be enough, it would be enough. And conversely, without God, what could you possibly ever have that would be? He is enough. Now listen, friends, God's abundance is so huge that it makes the glamor of this world look like dollar store toys insignificantly small to his abundance. But yet as Christians, we live in this already not yet lifestyle. That we are already saved, but not yet in heaven. That we are already made perfect in the eyes of the Father through Christ, but not yet perfected to the ways of the world. That we are already, that we already have all that we need, but not yet fully realizing it this side of eternity. It becomes about our choice of what reality, what kingdom that we want to live into. Every day. Do we want to live in the future, physical, soon to be kingdom of God that lives today in the lives of those who trust in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, or do we want to choose to live in a kingdom, the crumbling world around us? What we know about the kingdom of God is that everything that you do in God's kingdom, for God's kingdom, will be given to you back in spades. You can't say that about this world. You know, Jesus speaks these words in Luke 6. Many people abuse these words, but this is truth. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So listen to me. All that you need is Christ. Even if you would perish in the struggle of this world, but you sought after God, you would have enough. We should not strive for anything else. That doesn't mean that we don't live and enjoy our lives. Enjoy your lives lives. But don't elevate the worldly treasures into what you rejoice in. It is seeking Christ and his righteousness first that creates flourishing and generosity. Do you ever read God's words and commands and ever like, think, why would God compel that? That is a great practice. Why would God compel generosity as flourishing? I want you to consider this. If you really believe what those verses said in Luke 6, if you really believe that, how much fear would you be living in? How much fear would you live in if you believe that was true? Today, we live our lives fearful that there isn't going to be enough. And we create scenarios where we believe that we're going to run out of things, that things are going to break, my health is going to fail, talents are going to diminish, I need to hold on to it. And we become fearful and live closed lives where everything is consumed with having enough. Does that at all sound like flourishing? doesn't. If you were to live in the truth of God's abundance, you would believe that because of what Jesus has done, you have all that you could ever need. And what you give isn't tied to your own abundance, your own skills or talents, but it's through Christ tied to the abundance of God. If you really believed what Luke 6 had to say, what control would you be exerting over everything in your life? Today, we build environments where we want to control everything at the off chance that if we would look away, that everything would be taken away from us, everything that we would be broken from us. Does that at all sound like flourishing? But if we lived and believed in the generosity and the abundance of Christ, you would have come to the realization that was never mine to control. It was always his. And in fact, he's a better sovereign than I am. He's a better ruler than I am. And I can just simply enjoy the ride. Not that it might not be struggles, not that it might not be trials, but I can trust him. If you really believed what Luke 6 talked about, what envy would you display towards earthly things and abilities that you could hoard? Today we believe that if I just had somebody else's stuff, my life would be better. That if I just was somebody else, things would be better. If I had his wisdom, if I had her knowledge, if I had their money, my life would be better. Does that at all sound like flourishing and thriving? But if we believed truly in the generosity and the abundance of Christ, what better is there to be found? Who is, better than God. You have God and God has you. There is nothing better that we could ever envy in this life that we don't have. If you really believed what Luke 6 said, what isolation would you be creating to protect yourself from others stealing, taking things of yours? We today Are increasingly growing in isolation of one another loneliness is an epidemic in our culture we are living in this reality where we think that we have to hide we have to protect from this evil world that we don't let others know who we are or share anything about our lives that are hard because we don't want people to know our pain we don't want people to know our struggle Friend, does that at all sound like flourishing? But if we believe what Jesus said about generosity and abundance, everything becomes available. Because I have more in Him. You can take what you need. You can know me as thoroughly as you want to. I can be generous. I cannot hide. I don't need to protect. Because He is enough. What he says about me is enough. What he gives to me is enough. What he's done for me is enough. Everything else is just a surplus. That's flourishing. The Apostle Paul writes this in his letter to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And so the question then becomes, how do I become generous? How do I become generous? And what we would like, as we always want, is a list. Steve, could you just give me a list? I can check some boxes, I can do some behaviors, and then I can say, yes, I'm a generous person. But the truth that we read in scripture, we don't do very well with list. We either elevate ourselves at our ability to accomplish them, or find ourselves depressed because of our inability to carry them out. What is always better wisdom in application is that we would listen to the wisdom of God and believe it as truth and pray through the Holy Spirit that he would begin the work of changing our perspective, renewing our thoughts, renewing our beliefs. If we are going to be generous, it first must be informed by how generous our God has been with us. Have you considered God's generosity to you in your life? That the Father gave his Son to die for your sin, that Jesus willfully gave his life up for you, that God says those who he adopts as children, he bestows gifts of, of talents, of treasures, of skills that are not just mine to be hoarded, but mine to be given away for his glory and for my joy. You know, last week we talked about forgiveness and we said that if if we are ever going to forgive those who have hurt us in our life then we ourselves must bathe our whole being in God's pardoning love and mercy for us and if we are ever going to be the type of people that displays a biblical reality of generosity it will must be first met with your understanding of how generous God has been to you abundantly generous You know, the truth is is we have less control than we might think that we have. So look, man, if you're in here and you're healthy, praise God. If you have friends, praise God. If, If you had a good breakfast this morning or had access to a good breakfast this morning, what a generous God that we have. If you have a family that you can love, if you have a job that you can go to, where'd you get that job? Was it because you're awesome? (laughs) No. It's God's generous gift. All of these are uh, intrinsic gifts that were given to us by God, not decided by you. Opportunity has so much to do with how you land in time and space. And who is it that controls time and space? And today, I ask you, count your blessings, consider all that God has given to you, your life, all that we know God has been generous to us in, we are so blessed. If we are to flourish, if we are to find peace here, it will come through God's wisdom and God's wisdom on generosity, not to burst your bubble, is better than yours. It's, it's just better. And we will either surrender to it, or for those of us who love God, he will continue to challenge us, disturb you, shake you, get your attention, or you would choose all right to just reject it and move on. So my hope and my prayer today is that you might come to see how generous our God is and his love towards you. And that he has given you that ability to love, not so that you could keep it, but that you could give it away. That he gave you compassion, not that you could keep it, but that you could give it away. That he gave you your stuff, not that you just could keep it, that you could give it away. Your money, that you could give it away. Your life, your wisdom, your talents, your efforts, your time, his in you to give away. We'll close by reading the wisdom of Paul in Corinthians, in chapter six, he talks about us. We are servants of God, and this is our life. This is what he depicts as our life. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, though honor and dishonor, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, As sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. He is enough. He is all that we need. And it is through His abundance that we give of ourselves for His glory and for our joy. Let's pray. Father, we confess today that we uh, have wounds of this world and our experiences that have created uh, distortions in in how generous that we are, how willful we are to give to others our stuff, our time, our compassion, our mercy, our grace. Lord, we tragically look at you through those same lenses. And so Holy Spirit, today we pray that you would just break true with your truth in our hearts today that we might embrace a greater wisdom that leads to our flourishing and our thriving and our joy on earth as we come to the realization that all we need is you and nothing more. God, soften our hearts that we hear your message today. And we pray this in that beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.